Are you ready to free the body and free the soul? Join Dr. David, the cutting edge doc, as he guides us on today's journey. Here's Dr. David. Welcome, friends. Welcome to another edition of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. I'm your host, Dr. David, the Cutting Edge Doc, and here on Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul, we do in-depth interviews with individuals that are doing cutting-edge work, especially in the areas of healing or spirituality or social transformation. And I'm very excited about today's show. Uh, for those of you that are longtime listeners, you know that one of my passions is discovering and interacting with younger people, especially people, I would say, in their 20s and early 30s right now, who really get it and who are stepping up into their own personhood and their own leadership functions and really taking advantage of the uh, special um, opportunities of their generation and to build on the work that those of us that are a little bit older have maybe paved the way for. I really believe that if uh, heart-centered leaders in the baby boomer generation and the uh, people in the age group I just mentioned can, uh, can find each other and develop powerful, trusting relationships, that there's a synergy there that's really powerful. And so... You know, I'm always on the lookout for really excellent people. And a few weeks ago, I discovered a young man named Jordan Sather, who is going to be our guest today, who a um, very intrepid, wise young man who started his uh, own YouTube channel and is doing the best he can to awaken people. And uh, I was really struck by his um, passion and his knowledge and his wisdom for um, old soul, but uh, in his 20s. And so I wanted to have a deeper conversation with Jordan and also introduce Jordan to my tribe. So with that as a, sort of an opening salvo, a welcome to Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul, Jordan. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. That's great. You can call me Dr. David. I, I, when you said, sir, I kind of looked behind <laughs> me to see who you were talking to. <laughs> Let me uh, share a little bit of bio information with you guys. Um, I'm going to read from some information that Jordan sent me yesterday. So hang on a sec. Okay, so um, I'm going to transpose it. He wrote it in the first person, but I'm going to transpose it into the third person. Here we go. Uh, Jordan was born between the shores of the Puget Sound in Kitsap County, Washington State in 1990. He began his never-ending search for truth at the young age of 20, catalyzed by what he learned working at a local health food store. He ended up dropping out of college to work there, no longer finding conventional schooling resourceful to understanding reality. This is where he began down the famed rabbit holes, first learning about the nature of GMOs, vaccines in our healthcare system. He then swiftly moved into other areas of research, 
having a passion for ancient history, physics, UFO truth, and all knowledge associated with our greater awakening. After working at a few health food stores, a chiropractic clinic, and multiple gyms, he now owns his own health coaching business, Conscious Strength, as well as well as writing articles for online conscious media publications. And he also manages a popular disclosure-based YouTube channel, which he calls Destroying the Illusion. And I'll give out contact information for Jordan, or Jordan will give it out at the end of the show. So again, uh, let me get back to our main screen here. Okay. So welcome again, Jordan. And uh, the way I like to structure these interviews, because they're longer in-depth interviews, if it's okay with you, is in the beginning, I like to just kind of turn the show over to you and give you a chance to tell your story in a little more detail, because obviously it's unusual, you know, statistically speaking, it's unusual for uh, a person 26 years old to have the, the knowledge base that you have and the and the interests you have and the commitment you have and the skill sets that you have. So, you know, uh, obviously we can't explain all of it by just looking at this lifetime, but a lot of times we can get clues. And so I want to give you a chance to go back as far as you'd like to go back and tell your story so that the listener has a background of understanding and relatedness so then later on in the show, when we get into topics that are interesting to us, um, the listener can be empowered with that context of understanding. So I'm just going to turn it over to you, and you've got all the time you need. And um, I might interrupt if there's something that uh, uh, I don't understand, or if I was really inspired with a question or a comment. But mostly, I'm just going to turn it over to you until you kind of bring us up to present time. All right. Thank you, Dr. David. It's only going to be a story about my 26-year history, so uh, that'll give us plenty of time for talking about everything else. <laughs> but, um, you know, I was, I was born in 1990, so I'm definitely of the younger generation. But uh, as I grew up, as I went through traditional schooling, high school, I, I was always one to push the envelope push the uh, push the consciousness of different people but it wasn't really until like you mentioned in that bio I was about the age of 20 where things really began taking off because um, I did as kind of the standard societal expectation ex expects of me and I went to college I didn't know what I wanted to do, so I went to college um, for construction, actually, because my brother was a civil engineer. I didn't want to follow in his exact footsteps, but eh, I guess I'll go into some type of construction or engineering program. And when I got to university after high school, I had zero passion, had absolutely zero passion for what I was doing. I definitely got caught up in the college lifestyle a little too much and ended up uh, flunking out at the age of 19, flunked out of my first year of university. After that, I then went to a community college to continue my prerequisites, still lacking passion, still having zero idea where I wanted to go with my life. And that's when I 
got a job serendipitously at a local health food store. And after working at this health food store, I was at the age of 20. Um, it was about six months in, and I remember this specific day. I remember the day that I really began um, catalyzed my awakening experience. I was listening to my manager at the time talk with a customer and they were discussing uh, geopolitics. They were discussing these, um, this geopolitics that I had never even heard before. He was, um, the customer was discussing Putin and how Putin was standing up to what he called the shadow government or the Western elites. And at this time, you know, I had no clue what he was talking about. Um, I inquired a little bit. I'm like, where can I learn a little more about this? To which my manager then pointed me in the direction of an, uh, I believe it was an Alex Jones documentary called The Fall of the Empire or something like that. And um, I have interesting views on that guy now, but I watched that documentary at the time and it blew my mind. And I wanted to learn more about what was really going on on this planet. Um, my first rabbit holes that I went down was everything in regards to the Federal Reserve and, and the power structures on this planet. But working at the health food store as well, I also learned quite a bit about uh, genetically engineered foods, about vaccines, the true nature of our uh, healthcare system, what's really going on. So it's it's fantastic to learn that because I try to help uh I try to help uh, pass along that knowledge of self as much as I can. And then with that awakening experience, it, it took quite a toll on me because being so young, being the age of 20 and then um, being exposed to you could call reality or having my own illusion start to fall definitely took a toll on me. And I Remember, you know, I was the type of person to have a piece of duct tape over my webcam and think I was going to get rounded up in FEMA camps for the longest time. So that, uh, that was a very interesting experience, but it was also extremely important because once I f began to see what was really going on, I didn't want to stop. No matter how scary it was to me, I kept going and going and uh, in the first six months to a year after I really began, you know, at the age of say 20, 21, 22, I pretty much went down every single rabbit hole I could from, like I said earlier, monetary policy, but also in regards to uh, physics, free energy, anti-gravity, the UFO disclosure issue, the, um, the uh, nature of natural law, legality versus lawfulness. Uh, I went down pretty much everything I could find. And that was an extremely important step because not only was I able to pass on um, knowledge of what I call the microcosm, which is health, everything devoted to us as individuals, but knowledge of the uh, macrocosm, knowledge of what's going on on the collective scale. So that's, that's where that... Um, most of my initial awakening took place. And then I proceeded from there. I worked at that health food store for about four years, ended up leaving at the age of about 24 because I did not, um, I didn't have, my passion failed. 
my passion started failing me in that regards. It was a retail store. I didn't want to work in that environment anymore. So I then left. I went to a uh, chiropractic clinic, which is, you know, I definitely respect what you're doing as a chiropractor. Absolutely. I know a little bit about it. Um, but I also didn't feel right there. I didn't like working in the uh, private practice environment. And I always just felt the need to be out on my own and doing uh, my own true sharing in that regard. So after I left these places, I then started my own company and kind of I'm learning as I go with this YouTube channel, the articles I'm doing and my own business that I'm creating. And that's kind of where it all leads up to now. So, Well, thank you. Uh, can I take you back and uh, ask you some questions about this period in your life you're describing and also ask you some questions about when you were even younger? Absolutely. Okay, so in terms of uh, how you maintained your well-being and your sanity as you were having illusion after illusion just busted, uh, I'd love to hear more about that. Like, um, how did you... How did you keep your spirits up? How did you, uh, were you just completely alone or did you have a few good friends who you, uh, felt, like, you felt like you could speak with? It, much, it must have affected your, your social life, your romantic life, your relationship with your family. Um, it surely did. It, it, and it how, how did you, how did you, um, how, how did you, get to a place in yourself where you could be with all of those changes uh, without it, number one, stopping you, and number two, how did you maintain your, as a creature, as a human being, uh, with needs and all sorts of different levels and dimensions? How did you take care of yourself? One, um, one great thing about that health food, shop, health food shop I was at was that the people there, the they understood what was going on on this planet. So I did have a couple people to um, help me along and to talk with, but a lot of it was uh, online. I, I suppose the only thing that kept me sane at the time was the truth, was finding out what was really going on. So you could say, um, but also, because of the lack of connection I had, like, like you said, you know, it, took, it takes a stress on your relationships, on your friendships, on your family. Um, it, it's of my opinion that when we lack connection with either each other or ourselves, we try to fill that void of disconnect with addictive substances. And at the time, I definitely uh, took my lack of connection out with addictive substances and you could I would even go so far to say as I was addicted to information I was which you know is a good and a bad thing I wasted I wouldn't say waste but I spent a lot of time at the computer hours a day just researching and that's um it was helpful because I was able to fill my brain with so much perspective but at the same time I feel like there's so much more I could have been doing uh at the time years ago. I mean, I could, even at the young age of 26, I could be farther ahead now if I put more of that overthinking into doing. So I not only dealt with it through 
I suppose getting in my head, being in my own little bubble, but um, taking that lack of connection up through addiction, whether it was an information or uh, used to be cannabis as well. That was a big one. And uh, caffeine has always been a crutch of mine, but that's kind of how I dealt. Okay. For the longest time. And if you look back from where you are now, mm-hmm. because it's completely different looking back from the space that you're looking from now, when you look back at your childhood and your teenage years, can you see early signs of um, the kind of fire in the belly and the, mm-hmm. and the inquisitiveness and the drive that uh, was kind of there from the beginning that just needed some fertile soil where there's some signs looking back that you can see? Yeah, uh, that's a very good question because the, the biggest sign I would say is, was my opinions on mainstream religion throughout high school. Now, I definitely don't have the same opinions I did at the time, but throughout high school, I was a very hardcore atheist and I would read Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris books, and whatnot. And I thought, you know, mainstream religion was the worst thing on the planet. So I remember doing, um, in high school and in college, I did a couple projects, one in a public speaking class, one in an English class about, um, how religion is essentially destroying the planet. You know, that was my perspective at the time. So doing those, you know, in a high school and college, uh, setting to a class is very envelope pushing. It makes people very uncomfortable. But, you know, at the, at the time I was just, that was my drive was to, I suppose, disclose things, even though if at the time it wasn't necessarily the reality or the truth. That was, I've always had that seed in me to uh, follow my passion of helping others awaken. Now, once I went down, you know, once my illusion started falling, in my early 20s, that's when I started seeing, you know, true science, true spirituality, true nature, true symbolic nature of ancient scripture and all my views, you know, totally changed. I, I don't, I keep my reality bubble very permeable, what I like to say. And so I don't think that way anymore by any means. But uh, yeah, it was always a, it was always an inner drive in me to, uh, you could say, break egos or help people understand their own egos. I understand. Did you go through a period in your late teens where you were very attracted to sort of a objectivist Ayn Rand type of philosophy? No. Um, where did my philosophies go? I was definitely, I was definitely more drawn. I remember specifically reading, like I said, Richard Dawkins, uh, Sam Harris, and then I would read a lot of um, liberal comedy, a lot of Stephen Colbert, John Stewart, uh, uh-huh. other books of that sort. So that's kind of where my mind was at at the time until uh, until I started questioning. Have you had any major in this lifetime? Have you had any major physical plane spiritual teachers? Not. Not directly, but uh, I always believe that you can find mentors anywhere, and a lot of my mentors have been online. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, I, I, I was I was meaning. Uh, I mean, I, I get it that you 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 really are a great learner and that you're open to to being mentored when you know you want to acquire knowledge or a skill and someone has it. No, but I was referring to something a little deeper and a little more uh, formal. And it sounds like you haven't. It sounds like you haven't in this life. You haven't had any kind of formal relationship with a spiritual teacher. No, not necessarily. Okay, I get it. Okay, so um, I really appreciate your your sharing. I think uh, I think we've got a pretty good sense of of who you are and and uh, kind of what you're all about. And I'd like to shift gears and start talking about some things that are interesting to me. But I don't want to monopolize the conversation. If there's something you want to talk about, we'll definitely create the space for it. But I have a lot of I have, I have a lot of questions that I'd like to ask you about, but I don't, I don't want to do that in a way that blocks no. you from, from generating uh, content or asking me anything, but I'd like to kind of at least get the ball rolling. Yeah, I checked out your website and everything you do, I absolutely admire. So Okay, okay so I'd like to, because I have such an interest in what I mentioned at the beginning of the show, which is... Uh, empowering uh, people in your generation because I think you guys are coded for some amazing things if you guys can work through some issues and some challenges. Um, So I want to talk about my take on your age group uh, in generalizations, uh, both from the point of... uh, potentials and pitfalls and then open it up for your comments on that and your thoughts about how to particularly empower your generation so perfect because uh, i was just thinking about this this morning kind of pondering it so you go yeah. and then i'll go okay so some things i really think are advantages or strengths of your generations and this is in no particular order is number one uh, your conception of how quickly communication and ideas can be disseminated. Because you grew up with the internet and social media, uh, it's totally within your reality that a piece of content or an idea can go viral to millions of people in just a matter of days. And that, because that's real for you guys, that opens up when you, uh, when you look at, at the future and you look at the capacity for uh, uh, rapid transformation, um, it, it's just natural for you where people in my generation have had to do a lot of retooling at some pretty deep neurological and psychological levels to open up to that possibility. So I think that's a that's something that um, is, a, is an advantage. And I think another is just the way you guys are coded, y- your DNA. Uh, I don't think you guys have to work through a lot of the same kind of stuff that the baby boomers had to work through, but you've got your own thing. So I think, uh, I think those are advantages. The, I think some of the challenges you guys have is that because you guys have spent so much time in a virtual world rather than in a natural world. 
there's a unrealistic expectation that because you've been exposed to information about something, that therefore you really know it, or you really understand it, or you've really mastered something. And I think there's a lack of appreciation for natural rhythms and cycles, and a real appreciation for the kind of discipline and strength and commitment and passion that it takes to take an idea and to shepherd it into manifestation to the point where you're excellent at it or you've mastered it. And I see a lot of people um, in your generation quitting or basically not even getting started or just being disillusioned because they don't realize that um, the virtual reality and the natural reality are so different. Um, Another area I think where you guys have been challenged is the fact that you've grown up in a culture that is in its rapid stage of breaking down. So uh, you look into, as children, you look into the future and it's hard to find adult role models. It's hard to find heroes, people you admire. It's like adults are telling you what to do, but you look at their life and you go, well, I don't want their life. If Why should I listen to them if the way they're showing up isn't interesting to me? And so I think a lack of, uh, a lack of really virtuous, and I mean that in the deepest sense of the word, uh, a lack of virtuous adult role models, I think. And then, of course, that you've been ex- your generation has been exposed to probably more sophisticated mind control brainwashing techniques of any generation in, in, in recent history during your formative period. Uh, so I think that's another big challenge. And then of course the fact that with the economic challenges, a lot of your generation grew up with families where, um, where the mother could not stay home, could not breastfeed the child, uh, where, um, a lot of family stresses, uh, financial stresses, uh, a culture, a culture in breakdown, uh, and then of course the whole uh, cabal agenda to to dumb you down, and then of course all the uh, all the physical assaults in terms of uh, no more trace minerals in the topsoil, getting vaccinated up the wazoo smart meters, microwaves, fluoride, and then, of course, all the frequency jamming. So, you know, I think your generation has, your generation has been drugged to death, uh, ADD, ADHD, getting you guys on Ritalin, Adderall, all sorts of things. And so I see that your generation has tremendous challenges, but also um, tremendous possibilities if people can get to the space that you've been able to get to, first of all, or whatever the equivalent of that would be for them. And I'm interested in your ideas about, from your perspective, how to help people in your generation to do that. And then the other area where I think it could be really powerful, which is what is going on right here, is for leaders in your generation and leaders in my generation to synergize together and to bring out the best in each other. So those are some thoughts I have. So let me just turn it over to you. Woo. 
lot of thoughts. Look how I wrote them all down. Let's see. Yeah, that's so much of what you said is absolutely, absolutely true. Absolutely. Um, great, great perspective on the, on my generation. Totally. You, you're plugged in. What, uh, what I want to discuss is just kind of what I was pondering on this morning is, is the difference, differences between the generations, how, how each of them is crucial in their own niche. And then I kind of want to discuss a few things that you did of, of how I overcame the, um, the issues of my generation, or I suppose I, how I can pass along information about how my generation can overcome. Um, but the, it's interesting because what I was thinking is there's been essentially in the modern age and by modern, I mean, last about 150 years, uh, there's been about three generations of, of people coming to help awaken. And the first generation would, was anybody between about 1850 to 1950. So this is about a hundred year period where if you think back to that time, there was, quite a few people who came here who tried to pass along their truths and their knowledge, whether you think of that being Nikola Tesla or James Maxwell of electromagnetic theory. We have the philosophizers, Carl Jung, Joseph Campbell. Um, we had the doctors, Dr. Max Gerson, other, you know, health, profound health geniuses during that time. These were all the guys who had to deal with a load of science and they went, they had to, oh, obviously without the internet, without people coming before them, they're the ones who had to observe and report. So there's a lot of hardcore science from that generation. And because that generation didn't have the internet, they were able to have the attention span to focus on this information. Uh, the next generate, the next awakening generation that came in would I would classify you in anybody born from 1940s or 50s to say mid 1970s even 1980 these were the guys in, in your crew who had to take all that science that the people before them wrote down and you had to synthesize it into more of a practical understanding so one uh one man who I follow quite a bit is David Wilcock. And since you guys didn't have the internet, you had to synthesize all this into lectures or books of, you know, synthesize all this science down, which was still, still very scientific, all the work that, that your generation does, but it's, it's more practical in understanding. And that sets up my generation, anybody born after 1980, with which, of course, we have all uh, been dealt the hand of the internet, which is a definitely good thing, but definitely bad thing. So because of the internet, people's attention spans are shorter than ever. They're used to one to two minute long videos at most. So the information that I have to synthesize, I even have to boil it down more so than your generation and those before me. So what... I try to do with my YouTube videos and eBooks and everything I write is make it as, as practical as I can. And as, as short as I can, the, the videos I do at most, I want them to be five to 10 minutes long. Uh, my eBooks might be 30 to 50 pages, but I'm trying to pass along the knowledge to the unawakened 
of what's really going on to capture their capture their passion, capture their attention with it. Now, the issues that my generation specifically has, uh, you said no appreciation for cycles, which is totally true. Uh, there's no there's no patience, which is why I have to synthesize. I try to synthesize everything neatly and succinctly and shareably as possible. And uh, lack of role models is completely true as well. Um, you know, you asked me earlier if I had a specific mentor in my lifetime, which I I haven't. You know, it would be nice to find a <laughs> find somebody. Um, most of it I've had to do on my own, but. I've also had with the internet, the helpful thing is that it has allowed me to almost be mentored to be mentored by people I've never met, which is pretty cool. One during that depressive phase that we were discussing during my initial awakening depressive phase, there was a man by the name of Elliot Hulse who runs a very popular, two very popular YouTube channels with about two and a half million subscribers, but he uh, his channels were devoted. One was devoted to just exercise and strength training. Um, that's how he became popular. But the second was devoted to philosophy. That was his personal channel. It's devoted to spirituality. Um, he was not your average meathead. It was very deep stuff. He would talk about Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey and spiritual transform transformation and everything of that regard. And I kind of looked up to him as a role model and as a mentor. And I, I watched hours and hours and hours of his videos because it would help me with my own personal development. So Jordan, how do you spell his name? E L L I O T T Elliot. And the last one is Hulse H U L S E. And is he still active? Yeah, he's still very active. Far different. I mean, it's, and it's very interesting with him as well, because you mentioned, uh, there's no appreciation for cycles now. True. But, it, it's, it was cool looking at his work and everything he does because everything he tries to bring across has to do with cycles, has to do with the yin and yang duality and the natural cyclical nature of our universe, how everything has a waxing and a waning, has a um, anabolic and a catabolic nature. So that's where, yeah watching his videos and also watching the videos of a man by Paul Cech. Are you familiar with Paul Cech at all? Yeah, I'm familiar with his work. We're both, uh, we're both big fans of metabolic typing and yeah. we're both the, big fans of uh, interval training and uh, resistance training that uses whole body movements. More definitely holistic and bio uh, biochemical individuality and, and holistic nature of it. That's Elliot Hulse is a, a student of Paul Cech. And okay. that's where I, that's where I got introduced to a lot of Paul Cech's philosophies and also shaped a lot of my holistic health and spiritual understandings. So um, a lot, yeah, a lot of my mentors have been online, but they have um, shaped my perspectives and my understanding as well as any in-person mentor has. And that's where, what I'm trying to do with my, the information that I bring along to my generation, every generation, but especially mine is I'm trying to bring the practical perspective, not only that, but I think a big part of it is simply courage because you, you mentioned, you know, the, the mind control programming and the, the effects that is going on with my generation is more so than ever. I mean, what 70 vaccines by the time we're 14 now, when in your generation, it was like seven. So there's the, 
trauma-based mind control. There's the electromagnetic frequencies. There's all the media, Hollywood production. So it's, it's hitting my generation more than ever uh, because they want to suppress that DNA coding that the wanderers that are coming onto this planet trying to suppress our spiritual awakening. And with that increased fear, that increased trauma, um, my generation needs that courage. They need the courage to, to have their mind go outside of the box and not care about the perspective of their peers. Because with the internet, not only do you, you know, not only do you get a lot more information, but you get much more perspective from people. Because in your generation, you might've had a few close friends. You might've, you know, you went to class, you got the, you might've had the perspective of a few people about you. So, and, and that was, you know, all hunky dory. But now with the, you know, with all the social media and all the apps, I can log on to Facebook or Instagram and I might see two to 300 of my different friends and they can all have a different perspective about me. So it's, there's so much more peer pressure, fear. And what I'm also trying to doing in my videos is just be, be so authentic and not care about what anybody says to show everybody else that they can do it too. You know, there's so much more discernment required, like the... Oh, yeah. The, the, the metaphor that I use is when I was, say, five or six years old, growing up in a major media market in Los Angeles, we had in our house, we had one black and white television. And in the second largest media market in the United States, we had... Hang on. We had seven channels. And now when I turn on my uh, Xfinity cable, I have hundreds of channels. And so I use that metaphor because it requires so much discernment mm -hmm. to determine which channel at what moment in time to tune into. And there's a whole skill set, there's a whole level of consciousness, there's a whole level of commitment that goes along with being ready, willing, and able to take responsibility for that level of discernment. And if there's all this uh, mind control frequency jamming going on that's keeping people from being able to tune in to their natural intelligence, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's discernment is so crucial, and it's so it's so important to, like I said earlier, keep your reality global permeable and not get caught up in the ego. You know, it's it's uh, what did Aristotle say? It's the mark of an educated mind to entertain a thought without accepting it, and we're so used to accepting everything that comes our way, and that's exactly what our human farmers want. They want you know whatever your perspective you're in. They pushes much dogmatic science or dogmatic religion our way, and they want us to accept it without taking a step back and just saying, hmm, that doesn't jive, that doesn't fit right. That is such a powerful thought. Like when I'm teaching, if I'm going to be teaching in an area that requires that people go deep inside themselves, one of the things that I do to create a workable frame for that kind of teaching is I tell people that in the normal course of, of interaction in our society, when someone's talking and speaking, usually 
the listener is either listening for information or they're listening to see if they agree or disagree. And I tell people that when we're teaching at this level, that that's probably not going to cut it, that they're going to need to listen from a place of not believing or disbelieving anything that mm -hmm. I'm saying, but just to, like you said, just to entertain it, just to be with it, just to let it land and see what impact it has. And that willingness and that skill set to entertain, to be with a question, to be with information without in a knee-jerk way uh, buying it or rejecting it. Mm -hmm. is, you literally, you almost such, have to look, look at information with a separate body. Yeah, it's such, a, it's such a critical capacity to, well, we all have that capacity, but it's such a critical ability to cultivate. Mm -hmm. uh, and if people just go on with societal program and don't take charge of their life, the educational system they're put in is going to work against that ability. Oh, Lordy. Exactly. Because it's just an obey and repeat. It's a regurgitation uh, indoctrination system we have. And that's precisely why I dropped out of college because I was just, I was just seeing like, man, all I'm doing is regurgitating this stuff that I am now seeing may or may not be true. So why am I spending 10,000, 20,000, however many per year to be told information that is questionable at best? So it's... And I hear it's even worse than that now on college campuses because in addition to that, you now have all this political correctness where, where there's not a free exchange of ideas mm -hmm. that are encouraged and people aren't encouraged to... Develop, yes. develop logic and to think for themselves and to debate without taking it personally. And then here on top of that, now I've been reading Rappaport. He's talking about how the uh, health centers at the colleges are basically becoming uh, legal drug pushing right now where there's an enormous percentage of college students right now that are on some kind of uh, psychiatric medication. Yeah, and they, they do it because the... Uh you know, they want to pass their classes. And I took, I remember when I was in college, I think I took Adderall one time uh, or something like that just to finish a paper. And that's the, uh, that's the pressure of it. That's the pressure of our system. It's, you know, it's, it's how they keep students down is that they have them rebel in their ego. The ego of, like you said, not entertaining any thoughts, taking everything so personally. They're not, you know, anything... Our schooling system is not to educate, it's to strengthen ego. That's simply what it is. You know, you are an extremely smart and profound doctor with what you do, but with 95% of the other doctors out there, literally, they are probably the people that are least likely to change their minds of all because they went to school for eight years, spent two to $300,000 on their education to be told all this information, and much of this information was telling them, you are the best and brightest mind in the world. So for them to change their mind, they're going to have to literally set aside half their life, half their income, and 
people aren't going to, you know, it's tough for people to do that. So. Yeah. I don't think the average person really appreciates the uh, level of courage and commitment it takes for a doctor to follow truth. And that's, you know, the, the ridicule, ridicule is the most effective form of mind control. It's certainly a biggie. It's certainly a biggie. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'd like to talk about, were there other things? Oh, uh, before we get on to talking about other current event topics, uh, I wanted to give you a chance to talk about, and if you wanted to say anything else about uh, your thoughts about empowering your generation. Not necessarily. I mean, we just need we just need the courage. I think everybody does the courage and the uh, the the ability to admit you're wrong because there is no there is zero issue to admit you're wrong. Only the strongest people literally admit they're wrong. It's the weakest people that have an issue with you know I need to attach myself to these beliefs even though they don't serve me. So not only the courage but the um, um, the humbling to be humble so no let's move on let's go uh see what, okay. else we, what else we can explore so this is in no particular order but just these are things that are on my mind that i want to take advantage of being in conversation with you to get your take on certain things that are like when i have a question and it stays in my mind for several months or so then i know that it's something i really i'm just being with this question and i know it could be useful to get other input from people I respect. So I'd like to just talk about some things that are on my mind. Okay, uh, one is I want to talk about what happened to Bernie Sanders. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. So I was a big Bernie Sanders supporter um, until I started to, um, there were a couple of red flags that, that, that got to me. One was that even though there was obviously some really heavy hanky-panky going on with the California Democratic primary, he didn't confront that at all. He didn't bring that up. He just rolled over and accepted it. And then, of course, the other thing was the way he just rolled over at the Democratic National Convention and just uh, half-heartedly came out for Hillary. I felt like I felt like he was really... Uh, in the zone there for several months and then it seemed like after the California primary and he didn't he didn't stand up for the fact that that election uh, the counting was rigged and then and then and then continuing on to the convention it just seemed like he he really lost his mojo and the the true liberals the true progressives on the left basically had nowhere to go and uh I'd love to get your thoughts on that whole situation. Yeah, totally. Um, I was never, uh, me personally, I was never quite the avid Bernie Sanders supporter, but I could absolutely feel for people that supported him over everybody else because they were looking for something different. In my opinion, um, there's two scenarios that float around in my mind um, when it comes to Bernie Sanders. One is that I think he just simply didn't want to get JFK. Uh -huh. He didn't want to get, he didn't want to get uh, suicided, as we say, or, uh, you know, and because uh -huh. the people he was dealing with, he was dealing with Hillary Clinton, and I won't go off on a rant about her, but we're talking, you know, 
cream of the crop when it comes to high level shadow government Satanists. So right. um, I, I think Bernie Sanders just kind of had a unlucky draw. He just kind of picked the wrong party per se. Like, oh crap, you know, the globalist golden child here is against me. So that's kind of why I think he keeled over. But on um, another scenario that could very well move along with this as well is that um, I believe that there is a positively aligned alliance within our intel agencies. And what I believe is that they were backing Trump. And unfortunately, when it come to Ber came to Bernie Sanders, I, I believe that they probably told him to just um, not necessarily give it up, but uh, it's, it's just not going to be you, Bernie. Sorry. Like we, we got Trump. He's a Republican, but we also have a network behind him supporting him. So if you look at Bernie Sanders, what he's been doing lately, I think just last week he was on CNN and he called them out for being fake news. So I think Bernie's doing all he can. He, he knew he got up to a point where he knew it wasn't going to be him. He knew it had to be Trump. And he just kind of then keeled over and started supporting Hillary when I, I don't think he ever really meant to support Hillary. We saw, you saw him cry on the, at the Democratic National Convention. So that's what I think happened. I think this, this network, this, these allied, this alliance within the intel agencies and also within the uh, secret space program that we have just basically told them, sorry, it's, we, we need it to be Trump. Okay. So then what happened was when Hillary was basically coronated, mm -hmm. um, I was compelled. I mean, it was crazy. It's like sometimes I couldn't sleep. I was compelled. It's like my spirit was just moved to do this. And I think I probably lost a lot of my following, but that's okay. I spent the next few months doing everything humanly possible mostly on Facebook, to wake people up to the connection between Hillary and the cabal. Yes. And, um, and, but I still thought she was going to win. And then, uh, and then on election night, I found myself, you know, I was never a huge Trump fan, but I was definitely, uh, definitely didn't want Hillary. And then uh, I started getting this feeling on election night that, Trump was going to win, and it was really a bizarre kind of surreal kind of night. And then, <laughs> and then, which leads me to the next question I have that has to do with Donald Trump. Uh, on one hand, I am really pleased with a lot of what he's doing and the way that he's being and the way that he's standing up to a lot of dark forces. I uh, love what he's doing with the vaccines. Um, I love what he's doing, trying to keep businesses here in the United States and, uh, and, and to promote free enterprise, et cetera. Um, but I have a lot of concerns also about Trump. And my, my, so, so here's some of my biggest concerns. Mm -hmm. Number one is his lack of understanding of ecology and his, he, he doesn't seem to understand about the dangers of fracking, for example. Uh, yes. Another thing is uh, no conversations at all about the rights of the Native Americans with regard to the whole pipeline thing and an appreciation for if the United States is going to heal, 
we definitely have some amends to make with the Native American world. And then probably my biggest concern is his uh, love affair with Netanyahu. And um, he seems to either not know the real history of the state of Israel or he doesn't care. And I have this big concern that if he's being duped by, by that arm of the cabal, what could happen? And also that that could really jeopardize his relationship with Putin and Russia because of all the world leaders I've seen it, lately, Putin to me is the one that really gets what's going on and has been willing to really stand up to ISIS. And so, you know, I watched this press conference the other day where this mutual love affair between Trump and Netanyahu, and it's like, uh, it's like, holy moly. And uh, maybe you have some intel that I don't have about the deep, uh, you know, the white hats and the deep things that are really going on. But, um, you know, about as deep as I go there is uh, Steve Pachesnik. I don't really have any deep contacts at that level. But, mm -hmm. you know, either Trump is just the master art of the deal guy and he knows what's going on, or he's getting duped by Netanyahu and that crowd in a way that could really, really, really backfire. And I wanted yeah. to get your take on all of this. I have some perspective on that, surely. Um, and I agree. I mean, there's a lot of moves he's made that I, I'm not happy with. The DAPL, for instance, the fracking I just read about yesterday. Um, but in my opinion, it's all thing. It, it makes us unhappy on a superficial level, but we all need to, like we were talking about earlier, entertain the thought without accepting it, take a step back and re realize that our perspective is very limited and there could be far greater implications of all of these things going on because Donald Trump is basically playing like a hundred games of chess at once. Right. And what I also believe is that people are getting far too caught up with the name Donald Trump, the face Donald Trump, the hair Donald Trump. If it's a, you, it must be realized that there is a network of hundreds of generals behind him. There's a network of many, many people who aren't great people. They're not angels by any means. They've done bad things. They've, many of them have probably been part of the Illuminati themselves, but they've had a change of heart. They've seen the writing on the wall. They know if they don't start working for humanity's benefit, they will be um, treated the exact same as the shadow government that is resisting and, and wanted to kill off humanity. So when it comes to, for instance, um, I'll try to compartmentalize these topics. For instance, the fracking in the, in the Dakota Access Pipeline, one hope of mine is that what Trump is doing is um, setting up the infrastructure to a point where we're going to have basically a second industrial revolution that's going to put us past heavy industry because there is um, this delves into the secret space program greatly because there is an enormous amount of technology and infrastructure and research in the black projects that we have not had access to for over 100 years and what i'm hoping that's occurring is trump is 
uh, signed off on the Dakota Access Pipeline, which was moved away from Native American land, I do believe. I think it was moved about 70 miles away from its previous location that they were protesting and made with American steel instead of Chinese steel. So what I'm thinking he's doing is setting up our infrastructure to basically start rolling out a, um, and producing a bunch of free energy devices and a bunch of technology that's going to allow us to um, enter that golden age, right? Free energy is not free energy. It's I have to make this device to tap into the free energy energy. So that's, that's my perspective, at least what I hope is going on with his uh, oil partnerships and whatnot. Also, when it comes to Netanyahu, of course, I, I'm not happy in that regard, but there is the old saying goes, keep your, enemy, keep your friends close and keep your enemies closer. And of course, within the Trump cabinet, it's going to get infil infiltrated. Um, I was just listening to David Robert Steele, who is a uh, Marine whistleblower who has Intel connections. And he was talking about different uh, people within the Trump administration that he was essentially forced to take on. He had to cut some deals to get some, and some people were placed in his administration. So when it comes to Netanyahu, either my belief is that he's basically uh, just playing the games, playing the game until he can make larger moves because all the moves he has to make right now have to be on the down low. How much, really, how, much huh? do you, how much do you think Trump knows? Uh, all. I do believe Trump knows everything. Are you basing this on intuitive knowing, or are you basing this on some sources that you're at liberty to share? Both. Um, you mentioned Steve Pachenik, which Steve Pachenik is a uh, large supporter and discusser of an alliance behind Trump, but also... Um, a couple of these secret space program whistleblowers, namely uh, Corey Good. Are you familiar too much with them? You know, I've read um, I've read some of the transcripts of Wilcock and Good, and I uh, I listen to that stuff and I read it, but I have no I I don't have access to any way of knowing how much of that is true and how much of that yeah. is. And that's, where, and that's where discernment is key because we can't know it's true off face value, but from what much of what I read based off of Corey Good, Dave Wilcock, and a lot of those whistleblowers, I just, I just corroborate that with everything else I read and hear elsewhere, and I intuitively feel it. But I don't think, I mean, if you look at what the uh, cabal-controlled media is saying, they're all painting Donald Trump to be a, a you know, stupid, ignorant person, but... Uh, I do not believe that at all. And when I listen to Donald Trump, it's almost like a triple entendre what this guy's saying. Uh, during his inauguration, I listened to his speech. He specifically stated at one point during his inauguration that we are going to unlock the mysteries of space and uh, some, uh, something else. I can't remember quite exactly what he said, but he did say those exact words. We're going to unlock the mysteries of space. So, and he's made some other references. For instance, I was watching his interview with Bill O'Reilly a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about meeting Obama and the car ride to the inauguration. And he was being completely straight up with Bill O'Reilly. He said, what Obama and Diet O'Reilly asked Trump, he asked him, what's the, uh, what did you and Obama talk about? Trump said, we talked about the 
biggest problem facing this country. Bill O'Reilly asked him, what's the biggest problem facing this country? Trump said, I can't tell you because I don't want to expose it. But all I can say is that, and Obama and I agreed, it has to do with the military. What military? What, the military do was, what do you think he was referring to? The military industrial complex that Dwight D. Eisenhower and John F. Kennedy warned us about. Okay. The, military, the part of the military industrial complex that is harboring and keeping all this technology from us. I don't think Obama was able to do much about it, about it, whether Obama was compromised or blackmailed. I don't know, but now it's in Trump's hands. And I think Obama basically is, I think he's happy that Trump got in because now Trump can do something about it that Obama never could. That was another thing that, that I could not wrap my mind around. I could, when, when, when Obama, well, let me back up. I, um, I think I, I drank some of the Kool-Aid, and I was a big Obama supporter back in uh, 2008 and a lukewarm supporter of his in 2012. And then I really saw him start to really, I saw the light bulb start to go off, and I saw him start to become kind of cynical and resigned and... Uh, yeah. And, then and then toward the end there, it seemed like he was, he was either like a triple agent or he was serving the dark because he was appointing all these Monsanto people. He was doing the whole TPP thing. And then he finally comes out and then he has us in all these wars everywhere. And then mm -hmm. he, um, and then he you came drink. out and started making these statements like Hillary Clinton is is probably the most qualified person to ever run for office. And he just started to like go off the rails. And uh, I know this is a little bit of a tangent, but one of the things that's been on my mind for a long time is I used to think that Obama was an agent of the light. I think, yeah, as we time all did. went on, I thought that he had sort of uh, lost his center and his, his mojo as well. So just, I know this is a tangent and we'll get back to Trump, but a, what's your, no, on Obama? I, have a quick, I have a quick thought on that. Um, I think Obama, I mean, you saw how the presidency aged him, right? I mean, he went from zero gray hairs in 2008 to a full head of gray hair in 2016. Yeah. He just so, seemed like a totally, his energy, his vib yeah. vibratory pattern seemed like it had completely shifted, especially in the second term. And what I think occurred is that that has much to do with our co-creative consciousness. I think it was because humanity was not ready, because all of our, our collective co-creative consciousness was not at the point to where Obama was going to be the disclosure president. It didn't occur. So it was almost, I think it was almost a collective, um, it was all of us, it was all of our, I'm not gonna say faults, but all of our brains that basically didn't make him become that disclosure president. That's why Trump is exactly what we needed because he's coming in, he's breaking, essentially he's showing America's shadow right back to us and he's breaking everybody's egos that they weren't able to break while Obama was in there. I don't think Obama was an evil Satanist. I think maybe he had to partake in some things he didn't want to, but I do believe that um, basically Obama's hand was just, his hands were tied behind his back and that's why he had to start spouting off like, oh, Hillary's great and do the TPP stuff and the wars and all that. Um, Obama, you know, 
I, I think he was a good man. He was just forced to do all that. And to a point where he did all that to basically darken the shadow that Trump's showing to us. See okay. Well, let's get back to Trump. And okay. Uh, okay, so where were we in our Trump conversation? Oh, I was asking you how much you think he knows, and you think he knows a lot, and he, that was based partially on intuition and partly on it, some sources yeah, that you not have. Not only that, um, he has hundreds of generals behind him, and we can't assume that all of these generals have been read in on all of the unacknowledged special access projects, but I'm pretty sure that a couple people you know, briefing him, know what's going on and who Donald Trump is, he's going to find out. If he doesn't know, he's going to find out. So I don't think there's much that Donald Trump doesn't know. Do you, think the, do you think the leaks are coming from his chief of staff? Eh, who's his chief of, chief of staff? Previs. Oh, yeah. That's actually uh, when I was watching David Robert Steele a little earlier today, that's exactly who he pointed out as one of those people that Trump had to make a deal with to um, – that was forced into his cabinet was Priebus. And it might be, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's not even a cabinet position. It's his chief of staff. Chief of staff. Oh yeah. So that's what Robert Steele said is that Trump was forced to take Priebus into his, uh, into his administration. So could be, it could be from rogue elements within the CIA or within the NSA um, rogue being rogue in a yeah. negative perspective from our end. So how do you see this over the next few months? How do you see this playing out? And do you think Trump will be president for a whole term? Or do you think there'll be some kind of uh, disclosure, Nassara type game changer where the whole thing's going to change? What do you, what's your prediction for the next uh, few months and a and, and couple of years ahead? Well, what's going on right now, I just did a video on this last night, was that uh, at first I was... I've been cynical for the past few days to a week or two. And I'm like, Oh, where are these mass arrests? You know, you know, I've been waiting like everybody else is round up the pedos. And I came across some information last night where in the past, since Trump was inaugurated, not even four weeks ago, there have been over 1500 separate arrests of pedophiles around our country. That is more than all of 2016 combined. So what I think is going on is of course they can't, they can't, blow it all up at once because they would face retaliation from the deep state. Uh, there's a lot of, um, a lot of things happening in Antarctica as well. We could delve into that a little bit. Actually. Yeah, I will. Um, when it comes to Corey Good and David Wilcock, why they're so important in this picture is because they've been blowing the whistle on certain discoveries of an ancient civilization in Antarctica. Right. And what I think is going on is, these pedophile, pedophilia arrests, they can't hit all the big names or blow it up in the media quite yet because they don't want the cabal or the shadow government to pull a distraction or pull a type of bait and switch with what they have in Antarctica. Do you mm -hmm. kind of see what I'm saying there? You, you got to connect the dots there a little more fully okay. because I don't intuitively see if they, like let's say they, let's say they identified uh, 40, 20, 40, 50 major pedophiles in Washington and other uh, key positions and in Hollywood. And let's say they went ahead with major arrests. So uh -huh. go ahead and spin that yarn and what I your, what your gonna, would be. I want you and anybody listening right now to try and just visualize a scenario. If we were to wake up 
see the emergency broadcast system on our televisions or something like that and start seeing type of, you know, some big names being arrested or some type of video, live video of this occurring, press conference, whatever it may be, that would definitely start waking people up very quick. But then what would occur is that, it, I mean, in Antarctica, apparently there have been what Wilcock, Corey Good, another space program whistleblowers have said is that they're unearthing an ancient civilization and extraterrestrial technology down there, massive amount of it. So essentially what would occur is that it would, it would very swiftly switch from the mass arrests being on television to these Antarctica disclosures. What um, CNN and CBS news literally both have live camera crews down in Antarctica right now. And they are filming on quote climate change, but what if they were conveniently down there to just happen to stumble upon some ancient civilizations or some extraterrestrial technology to distract us from whatever mass arrests or pedophile arrests that the Trump administration might try and talk about. Okay. So let's say, let's say, let's say that the tactical decision then is to do this more gradually then what, how do you see things playing out over the next few months? I see these, uh, that is a very good question. I definitely see the, um, these arrests picking up steam and I do see once, I, I suppose once certain chess pieces are in place, pieces that, you know, we can only speculate on right now, uh, there will be a type of larger event that does take place to a point where the alliance and the Trump administration and whatever positive people that, you know, that network to a point where they're able to tell the American public what's really going on without any worry of a type of backlash or a type of um, partial disclosure psychological operation or a bait and switch occurring. So I do think we will see shortly within maybe months, maybe even weeks, depending, you know, again, it all depends on our co-creative consciousness and what we can all, how quick we try and wake others up, how uh, we best utilize our own minds with this. But I do see a grander event taking place very soon. And is it okay if I go off on a tangent here? Not necessarily a tangent, but it plays into all what's, of what's going on geopolitically. No, please do. You know, I'm, I'm, what I'm wanting to get at is I'm wanting to get at, from your perspective, if you see that Trump is going to be like a relatively temporary placeholder until... I do. Or, I do. Or, or whether you think... Like, I mean, I, I think about the fact... That he's 70 years old, he's going at breakneck speed, he's only sleeping four and a half hours a night, uh, he's shaking things up. I, I'm just thinking, you know, if I, were, if I were Trump and I knew what was going on, I would, and if I was working at this pace, uh-huh. that I would probably be thinking this is a, this is a four to six month project. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that Trump is only in there as a continuity 
uh, a uh, just a placeholder in the time being because what's what's crucial um, and why I do think it's going to happen fast before the fecal uh, matter hits the ocular rotator is because of the changes occurring in our solar system and what humanity is preparing itself for and that is for a a um, essentially a solar shift and a grand ascension event so that's why i do believe trump knows everything but he's also working as quick as he possibly can that whole his whole administration this whole alliance is working as fast as they possibly can because so how do you need see that uh how do you see that playing out, that solar shift that affects the energy in the earth grids, which affects our bodies and affects the level of consciousness we can access? How do you see that playing out in terms of uh, social transformation? Like, for example, yes, uh, I don't know if it's true in your generation, but for sure for the light workers in my generation that have had to support a family, most of us have had kids, a lot of our limiting factor in terms of being able to follow our passion 24-7 has been our financial obligations. We talked earlier about doctors getting locked in to not only their belief systems, but also huge student loans, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, there has to be some, you know, as the free energy devices are released, as this information comes out, as these new energies come on, there has to be some kind of enormous combination of debt forgiveness and some access to money or the equivalent of money so that the people that are doing good work can continue to do the good work. How do you see all that playing out? So I do believe 2017 this year will be the year of disclosure. There will be a, um, a grand event of certain tribunals, things, you know, live, uh, live streams occurring on the major, you know, the mainstream media get taken over by the Alliance forces and actually utilized for positive transformation. This disclosure event will then usher in what you could say a would be a absolute technical technological revolution. Once people are, once they see the truth, then have a short time to emotionally uh, accept the truth, which is why people like you and I and all the other light workers are going to be very crucial coming here soon because we're going to have to get to a point where we, we're not going to be able to say, I told you so. We're going to have to refrain from saying that. We're going to have to say, okay, you know what I was saying was the truth. Now, how do we move on from that? So we will almost literally have to be like a group of therapists for the <laughs> unawakened. Uh, so once we emotionally accept what has happened in humanity's history and the truth, then we will have to get to work. And I see a anywhere from a two to six year time frame where we're going to have to be boots on the ground, um, divvying up resources on a not only a national but a global level to roll out zero point energy devices, to roll out an infrastructure that will be able to handle this solar flash. Because once this essentially this quote solar sneeze or this quantum shift occurs, it will not only destroy destroy our power grids, but much of that much of that shit that disclosure technological shift that takes place is going to be in our minds. You know, you say free the body, free the soul, and free our minds. We're going to have to educate everybody on okay, 
when the sh solar shift happens, uh, it's going to affect our consciousness. It's going to literally affect our DNA, our pineal glands. We're going to have to, uh, things are going to get different. And we're going to have to uh, understand our emotions, understand our, our human body. So what I see is occurring is disclosure, um, a huge renaissance taking place very quick. And then it's been said, which is why I think it's going to happen fast, is that this solar shift is going to be anywhere from 2018 or 19 to 2023 or 24. So it's coming. Um, and that's essentially what I see taking place is that uh, – the, the disclosure and the ascension event are going to be two separate things, um, but they're both coming very soon. What's your take on the timetable of when the, uh, the Fed and the private banking, fractional banking system will be in the, in the IRS and everything will start to be shut down? I believe that will occur along with the disclosure event. I think you mentioned the Nasara earlier. I do believe there'd be a type of debt forgiveness and release of, release of funding, release of monies, where it will all occur over, I don't know, it might happen over maybe a week or two time frame where the banks will shut down for a very long weekend or maybe a week or two to uh, redistribute and consolidate and whatnot. But, uh, do you see that happening in 2017? I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. Interesting. So what do you think is the, uh, like, like now that you and I have met and we understand each other and we get each other, what do you think is the, you know, in terms of skillful means, as the Buddhists would say, what do, you, what do you think is the best use of how people like like you and me can synergize and um, accomplish our missions and help each other the best? I mean, obviously, yeah. obviously first, this interview and disseminating this interview will be very powerful, but where do you think, where do you think we can best go from here? The first thing that I think everybody should do is get healthy, first and foremost. Get your, your body purified, get your mind um, purified, even do a lot of meditation, do a lot of introspection to bring out the intuitive nature in yourself, but also uh, physically detoxify the body and get yourself healthy because that will um, ease your mind-body-spirit complex into the changes that are occurring. You know, a lot of people, they'll talk about ascension symptoms yes. and whatnot. Um, I believe ascension symptoms only occur because either your body or your mind is resisting the process. I believe if you are, if you're completely balanced in your mind, body, soul, you're going to have no ascension symptoms because you're going to ride the wave. It's only when you, you know, start feeling uncomfortable or something's going on is that you're, something's out of balance. So we should balance our mind, body, spirit complexes, which is why you know, I am so into health. It's where I come from. That's what I try and uh, discuss along with all the disclosure stuff. So first step, get healthy. Second step is, um, which is why I want, I, I mentioned, you know, getting your intuition set because I think everybody has their own specific niche of information that they are passionate about that they want to share. And you stumble upon that when you, choose it 
you have to, you know, there's no chosen ones. There are only those that choose. So I believe um, everybody's going to have their own niche of what they're going to want to discover and then share with others. One of my passion is health, but my other passion is physics, the physics regarding free energy and these technologies that are coming out. So though that's what I spend a lot of my time researching so I can share with others. So you, for instance, your passion is consolidating people like me who you know are doing research and whatnot to put out the information via podcast. So that's one of my passions. I'm also a, I'm also, yeah. I'm also a healer and a teacher, but definitely being kind of like a, 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 a cosmic switchboard curator is yeah, you're a, one of the things I enjoy doing. You're a way shower, cosmic conduit of consciousness. And well, uh, yeah, and so I think we're all basically going to have our own niche and Follow your bliss, as Joseph Campbell would say. That's the, it's, you know, it's, it doesn't have to be complicated. That could be the, the most basic thing that anybody can do. Just follow your bliss. Get healthy and get happy. That's about it. All right. Well, uh, this has just been delightful and powerful. And as we wind down our time together today, uh, I want to throw it back over to you for two things. One is to give out your name and your, all your contact information so that people have it. And we'll also put that in the show notes as sure. well. And also if there's anything you want to say in closing, and then um, I'll just close out the show at the end. So let me turn it back over to you. Absolutely. Uh, you can find me through my website. That is www.jsather.com. Uh, there's a contact box on there, so you can contact me through that if you would like to. That goes straight to my email. And you can also look me up on Facebook as well. Um, Facebook, just my name, Jordan Sather. You can also look up my YouTube channel, which is called Destroying the Illusion. So either of those means, feel free. And the last thing that I want to say um, is that... As scary as the world may seem and as tense and discombobulated as it all is right now, uh, the, the biggest thing I can reassure people with is have no fear and try not to be negative because when you really understand the power of not only our individual consciousness but our co-creative consciousness, the more negative thoughts, the more we bring all of ourselves down, the tougher this process of change is going to be, the, and the less likelihood that we will all have of creating that optimal timeline for releasing all this truth. So the more positivity we have, the more love we show for each other and ourselves, and the more help we try to give each other, the more likelihood this is all going to happen, the faster it's all going to happen, and um, the uh, better off we will all be. So positivity and um, love is all that matters. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to another edition of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. I'm your host, Dr. David, the Cutting Edge Doc, and today on Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul, we've been 
having the opportunity to spend time with Jordan Sather. And uh, I really highly recommend that you check out the, uh, the connection points that Jordan shared with you. I really see Jordan as one of the major lights in our world today, especially for empowering millennials. And so with that, joining us for today's episode of freeing the body freeing the soul to access all episodes including show notes go to cuttingedgedoc.com that's cuttingedgedoc.com lastly if you love today's show you can support dr david his work and the show by going over to itunes and giving a five-star rating and a heartfelt comment Thank you again for joining us today and for your commitment to freeing the body, freeing the soul.